Every time we spoke to people and we socialised and they always said, there's nowhere to eat in Yass, there's no good restaurant, we need a good restaurant. And, and we kind of gave in at the end and thought, yeah, let's do it. That was absolutely frightening. There hasn't really been a, a proper standalone restaurant in Yass for about 16 years. We were incredibly worried that maybe the reason there's no restaurant is because they don't want it. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Many people in the industry dream of owning a restaurant one day. A quaint bistro with a beautiful garden and a white picket fence somewhere in the countryside. A place that becomes a thriving hub of the community and considered one of the best regional restaurants in the country. But a pandemic comes along and throws everything you've built in the air. But sometimes such dramatic moments can create a positive change in a new direction. Adam Bantock is the co-owner and chef of Clementine in the regional New South Wales town of Yass. He's also one of my best mates and my stepbrother. Adam, how you going, mate? Good, mate. How are you? I'm good. Haven't seen you for a little while, but a lot's changed since uh, we caught up at Christmas. <laughs> yeah. And uh, <laughs> yes. you were talking about the difficulties in running a regional restaurant at the time over a few beers, and, uh, and then we had bushfires and a pandemic. So I guess if it was difficult then, it certainly got a little bit more difficult for you. Oh, absolutely. And, you know, none of which you can um, plan for or even have any sort of contingency. Um, it's just it's just something incredibly foreign and just something you'd never have to think you'd have to deal with in your lifetime. You know, Clementine, um, you know, is in a really small uh, town. Yeah, but before you came back to Australia, you were, you know, you won Chef of the Year in Hong Kong at Emma the Fringe and, you know, you worked at Emma on the Bund up in Shanghai, which, you know, both places have, you know, very dense population and culturally very different. You know, how does a chef in that situation end up in a tiny town in Yass doing a regional restaurant? Yeah, it's a, it's a long way from Shanghai, I can tell you that. Um, I, I don't know. I suppose so much changed um, for, for us, for myself and my wife, Brooke, that um, we, we absolutely loved our time in Hong Kong and Shanghai and it was just so sociable and energetic and, um, to be honest, I feel I really learnt to cook over there, um, and uh, and also um, we we became a you know a partnership. Um, we got engaged. We had our first child, and everything that came out of Hong Kong and Shanghai was was fabulous. But I suppose five years in, we we did get a bit of cabin fever. Um, we wanted to get out of the concrete jungle, and um, we had our second child on the way, Georgie, and. I don't, I don't know. We had a hankering to get home um, and get a bit more blue sky and countryside. So we kind of went completely opposite and went out to the open fields of, you know, north of Canberra. Yeah, you started uh, working in some Canberra restaurants before settling on uh, Yass as a destination. Um, why, why did you choose this region and uh, in the first place? Um, well, I suppose at the time uh, we, were, we were looking for an avenue home from, from Shanghai and um, my my mum was living in 
Southern Highlands at the time in Barrel and, and Brooke's parents were living down near Cooma. So we, we picked Canberra out geographically, to be honest. We'd, we'd never really been here or spent too much time in the region. Uh, we picked it out geographically. I got on the phone to, had a phone interview with, with James Kidman, um, who was running uh, the NGA and a little Italian bistro called Dieci Amezzo, um, and kind of had a good conversation with him. He was looking for someone to, to run the little to head chef in there. So um, came back and pinned our hopes on getting that, that job and having a look around Canberra. And um, yeah, both, both events happened. We, we enjoyed Canberra and um, I took up the job and we, we quickly moved north of Canberra. I suppose we wanted to move away from suburbs and go semi-rural. So um, we kind of ended up in Murray-Bateman and then, and then further on in Yass. Can you tell us the story of Clementine? Because you bought a real, quite a big building and um, converted it into somewhere to live and a restaurant. Uh, can you tell us a bit about that whole process and what it was like building your own restaurant in the country? Uh, well, I suppose it came from uh, be, uh, just being a little frustrated with the commute, um, even though it's only 40 k's and it's – it's actually quite a nice drive, you know. It's there's no traffic. There's not really many traffic lights, but uh, after you know, sixteen hour day, it, it t- tends to get a little tedious, I suppose. And um, opening a restaurant was never anything I'd ever thought of doing. I'd actually been working in these small restaurants for you know fifteen years and thinking, why would anyone want to do it there? They're a bit mad. They're crazy. So, uh, and that was always my mindset, but. The more I looked into it and the more I, I worked in in these small restaurants, I suppose after that much time, you, you're kind of running it anyway. So I thought, you know, maybe I'll just be my own boss. And we started looking, um, myself and Brooke, and we we wanted to own where we worked. I think that was rule number one. We we didn't want the constraints of, of A, fitting out someone else's premises and the, the high costs involved in that. But we also didn't want the ongoing rental constraints um, that are just brutal in the industry, I think. Um, so, you know, we wanted somewhere where we can charge ourselves rent according to, to what we need at the time. And, gee, that could be different each week. If we have a good week, our rent might be higher. If we have a bad week, you know, we don't have to pay rent. So having that luxury was was something that, that you know, we were looking for and, um, yeah, we we had a good look around Yas and spent twelve months, and we found found a beautiful place right near, just off the main street of town, um, which, which is good. It was a little secluded. It was out of the out of the way. We kind of found it that it wanted to be a little special and you know a destination for people, I suppose, um, somewhere a bit secluded. Um, and we started there, and Brooks spent an incredible amount of time sorting the garden out, which is. You know, the yeah. first thing you see when you walk in the gate, and it's uh, she's done a wonderful job striking and yeah, well amazing. planted. It's got depth and color and texture, and um, yeah. And we, you know, did a lot of hard work. We four or five coats of paint and getting it up and running. And then we finally opened the doors and yeah, realized that we didn't really know what we were doing. How did you approach, you know, creating a restaurant? You know, the I mean, not to sort of bag gas out, but the f- the food offering there wasn't the level of Clementine. You know, it was something new for Yas. You know, how did you approach 
what the offering was going to be and the price point and and the food to offer well i mean it's funny you say that we we sat down and we spent oh six months putting together a, a business plan talking to um, local councils, um, speaking to the Australian Bureau of Statistics, um, spending a lot of time in Yass. Um, we were living in Murray Bateman anyway, but we decided to just start going to Yass a lot just for shopping and um, kids' schools, things like that. And we were spending a lot of time here in Yass. And we, we put a very thorough business plan together and um, we realised that, you know, it's – it's a it's a great place. I mean, the the average income's pretty good. Um, the community community's close, and I I don't know. We we just every time we spoke to people and we socialised, and you know they always said there's nowhere to eat in Yas. There's no good restaurant. We need a good restaurant, and and we kind of gave in at the end and thought, yeah, let's do it, um, and. That was absolutely frightening. There hasn't really been a, a proper standalone restaurant in Yas for about sixteen years um, before we before we opened. So we were we were incredibly worried that maybe the reason there's no restaurant is because it's you know they don't want it. <laughs> so <laughs> it was incredibly frightening. Um, but we 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 always said if we could put a good product together, it it doesn't matter where you are. If if your product's good, people will come. And that was our that was our motive. How would you describe uh, Yes to people? You know, what sort of town is it? And you know, beyond that, like, how did, then did you create the sort of food? Can you talk about the food and the offering that you're doing that you know suits the residents of that town? Um, yeah, I mean, Yes has got a, a lot to offer. I, I think we we love the community here and the people. And over the last five years, uh, you know, we got to know. As many as we possibly can, and um, the fact that it is so close to to Canberra, um, and you know it's on the city to Melbourne road, so we get a lot of people stopping um, for the night or a weekend. Um, people day trippers from Canberra, um, you know, there's a lot of people coming through. Um, even though the town's only five thousand six hundred, I think at the moment, um, you know, it's. It's great. It's vibrant. Um, I really like it. I think it's fabulous. So what sort of food have you been doing over the years? I mean, I've eaten there. I know what it is. It's bloody delicious. But um, what's what's your approach with the with the cooking there and the menu? Well, I mean, the, the approach was always um, keeping it, you know, keeping it fresh. So I'd change the menu every week. Um, we're only trading Thursday to Sunday. So I wanted I wanted something new every week. Um, because uh, I just didn't really see the point of, um, you know, having food left over at the end of the week and recycling it, you know, four days later after it's, you know, after we finished on Sunday Sunday service. So we we decided to go with a small menu, changing weekly, and and that worked real well because the we we kind of learnt that the I don't know what other restaurants are like in the cities and stuff, but our regulars were were coming, you know, fortnightly. Um, two or three weeks, some some regulars we'd see two or three times in the same weekend. So we kind of knew that we couldn't be a bit complacent with the with the food offering, and we wanted it changing. We wanted it incredibly seasonal, um, and you know, using as many local people as we could as far as suppliers go. So local 
lamb and pork and eggs and anything available. There's you know great produce coming out of Leeton and Griffith, so we're using all of that. Um, and the offering, I don't know, it it always had to be approachable from a price point. Um, I think we probably undervalued ourselves a little bit, but that's the beauty of owning your own place. You you can you can kind of do that because you don't have those high rental constraints. Um, so we kind of priced ourselves, you know, well according to you know the pubs and the clubs here, um, and we also wanted wanted to be you know generous in our offering and offering sourdough, um, free sourdough to you know everyone that comes in was good. Um, people people enjoyed that. So yeah, it it had to be had to be generous and homely, I suppose. What's been some of the challenges in running your own restaurant in a regional um, location? Is is that ownership sort of almost vital for viability of the, of the business? Yeah, I think so. Um, I mean, I suppose as far as challenges go, um, obviously seafood is hard. Um, but you know, I've worked that worked out that I can get a, a you know a fish delivery from Sydney markets every Thursday morning. So. That took a little while to get that on board, um, but I mean, staffing's staffing's a challenge. Um, I suppose the you know the amount of customers to's and fro's, and even over the last five years, we haven't really seen any patterns. For you know, I could have a incredibly busy week one week for in the middle of winter for no apparent reason, but the year before it was one of the worst weeks of the year. So there's it's inconsistent in in that sense, and I suppose another challenge too is um, you, the customer relations that you set up with your clients. You know, you, you see them all the time. You, you bump into them at Woolies. You, you're constantly kind of working in in that headspace. You're constantly, you know, Clementine. You're talking around Clementine, so you, you're constantly wearing that hat. So, I mean, that that becomes a bit challenging. After a while, you you find it hard to switch off from it, um, and and keeping keeping the regulars kind of interested, I've found quite a challenge because you know as I said before, the regulars are incredibly regular. They're, you know, it's a small town; they want to come in every week if they can. So you've got that extra pressure of um, making sure that you know when they leave, they want to come straight back, and doing that consistently um, because you know they live around the corner is I suppose different to anywhere tourist hotspots where you know they get a lot of overseas travelers you know and they're coming in eating and you know full well that you'll never see them again so having that extra extra pressure of making sure that that diner wants to come back and and in a small town you know word travels very quickly so you, you've got to you've got to be on your game a lot and constantly and um you know and as well as that you get all the extra normal pressures from from society from from pricing from online reviews you know everything else that's you know in this industry people think that owning a regional restaurant you must have access to a lot of amazing local produce is that the case in where you are uh yes and no um we we do. We, I mean, as I said, you know, we got Leeton and Griffith and Wagga. Um, but yes, in itself, um, I mean, it's lamb farming kind of territory, and 
um, we've, we've recently seen a loosening up of the, the council regulations around um, subdividing large blocks and you know you can now subdivide down to 20, 20 or 40 acres, I can't remember. So I think over the next decade um, to 15 years you'll see a lot more smaller farms pop up around the area. I mean we're in a valley, it's, it's quite, quite good land um, so I think we might see a change from grazing to, to farming. Um, and I think uh, th there is more demand for it, I think, as people, uh, you know, after this pandemic may be seeking a tree change and get out of the cities and there is a bit of a worry about that. So um, hopefully we'll see a lot more small kind of artisan producers out, out this way. But, I mean, having access to Canberra and, you know, get regular deliveries from the south coast and, um, yeah, out west, it's, it's, it's not bad. You've worked all over the world in, in restaurants uh, and you've even worked with me in kitchens as well. I've never asked you actually what that's like, um, <laughs> what, that, what that was like working with me in the kitchen. <laughs> uh, I'm probably scared of the answer um, given, you know, you're a hatted chef and all that. Uh, um, but what's been some of the highlights over your career and sort of pivotal moments for you as a cook? Oh, wow. Um, I'm not really sure. I, I mean, we always uh, look back fondly of, of our time in Hong Kong and Shanghai, um, because uh, because we became a family unit, I suppose, and we just had such a great time. And 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 I suppose the other one is opening opening Clementine. It was a a real family family effort. And Brooke's parents, Warwick and Barbara, who are also co-owners in the in the business, you know, Brooke and Brooke and Brooke and Barbara did all the designing and the creating of, of the look of it, the feel of it. Um, Warwick, Warwick was here every day painting and, you know, we worked incredibly hard together. So I, I just think that's that's our greatest achievement. Um, and I suppose not knowing really what we were doing but having the faith that it would be good kind of got us through it. Um, but that's been, yeah, that's been our, our greatest achievement, I think. So as I alluded to a bit earlier, you know, we shared a beer around Christmas and you sort of talked about the challenges involved and you sort of getting a bit older like me and uh, not wanting to stand in front of the pans forever. Um, and then we had the bushfires and the pandemic. What's What's been the impact on the on the restaurant and what you're doing? Well, moving, moving into a takeaway product, um, we found difficult. We decided straight away that we we weren't going to try and deliver the exact same product that you get when you sit down and dine here. We just didn't think it was practical um, or really cost effective. We kind of started moving into saying, "All right, let's let's just feed the community." I think as people were locked down, that's what they wanted. They wanted some variety, and they wanted. They wanted a meal to take home that was was kind of different and yeah, not not like a restaurant, but as good as you could get. So we we did we you know we, we even started doing Asian food, which we've never done. Um, we just wanted to to feed people and keep ourselves amused and challenged and um, you know keeping creative. And we we kind of morphed into doing quite a lot more bread and pastries and sweets and. Um, and it really started overtaking um, the kind of things we would normally do as a restaurant. And 
the the time at home um, with my wife and my family we, we I don't know we we just enjoyed it so much <laughs> which is kind of weird I suppose I mean the lockdown here was you know obviously hard but we've got a we've got a big block and a big yard and um, and a kind of a big town so we were out every day running around the river because there was no one there and we spent some time in the garden planting a veggie patch and and I suppose it dawned on us that we we had committed and made that sacrifice for working so much through the weekend, you know, Thursday through to Sunday. Uh, our time as a family unit really, really struggled. We lacked, we lacked it completely, and um, the realization kind of came that we we need to we need to make some changes. Um, as much as we loved what we were doing, we we needed a change and. And we kind of started working on a bakery concept and um, looking at possible spots on the main street to to do a little retail outlet and go forward. And the the uncertainty of knowing anything about these social distancing rules and how long they're going to last, and I just couldn't see us reopening in in the same capacity. And I didn't want to reopen to fifteen customers and. You know, doing a sixteen-hour day and and doing thirty or forty customers in that time, I, I just it's it's unfair on 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 everyone. So, yeah, we kind of started moving into into something else. And you know, I've always loved pastry and sourdough. I'm kind of obsessed by it. So, well, you do a pretty good sourdough. You've offloaded a few of them to me over the years. <laughs> yeah, I mean, uh, uh, good. You know that that's a challenge. Like sourdoughs, sourdoughs. I find very very challenging. It's it's volatile, you know. It's oh geez, I, I really like it. And I bought myself a, a dough sheeter, and I'm learning how to make croissants, and that's great. It's a challenge that I was really looking for. And so you found a site on the main street, and it's going to be called Clementine Bakery. Can you tell us? Can you tell us a bit about that, and and what's going to happen with Clementine the restaurant? Um. Well. We, we're kind of opening a, a shop front. Um, we're not baking, baking there. It's a, it's a beautiful old building. It was built in 1877. It's called Oddfellows Hall, and we've taken the, the south bottom shop front. It's got a beautiful big plate glass window, and it's a lovely big space, and it's, it's quite funny. We've looked back at the history of the building, and it's first – Occupant in 1877, 1877, sorry, uh, was a bakery. So it's kind of interesting that it's it's come around again, a hundred and you know, nearly fifty years later. Um, so we we we're doing it a doing a bit of justice. We've spent the last um, four weeks um, stripping it and putting in some cabinetry, and it's being painted today, um, which is great. And hopefully, in the next three weeks, we'll be we'll be up and running. We um, we're baking at Clementine, the restaurant at the moment, and uh, we're going to fill it, fill the shop every morning. Um, and I think very quickly um, we're going to outgrow the, the Clementine space and uh, we're actually moving to uh, clean up the, the restaurant and the house and the unit and, and put it on the market and uh, see if anyone out there wants to have a tree change and get out of the city and come and come and run a small beautiful restaurant which is ready to go um in a in a in a lovely little town well and you've won you know 
you've won multiple hats and awards and it's recognized as you know one of the best regional restaurants what's what's that decision been like to let go of it um I'd, look it's been it's been hard i suppose we we thought about it long and hard and we we never won to we, myself and Brooke like a change we like you know we can't sit still so we we only actually ever had a 5 year plan for it when at the very beginning we we set up clementine and we said all right let's do this for 5 years and then and then we'll reassess and it's 5 years this year and i suppose the the pandemic made our decision for us that it, it was time for a change I, running it for another 5 years and and losing that time with our kids was 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 going to be too 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 hard i think i, I don't want to see them off to off to uni in 5 years time and have have missed out on it so yeah but there's there's great demand in yes there's been some mixed feelings i suppose with our announcement that we weren't reopening and there's still very good opportunity for for a restaurant here but yeah not from us <laughs> We we we're, we're going full steam steam ahead with the bakery. Well the site is pretty extraordinary the Clementine restaurant with that big lovely lawn at the front that looks to the church across the road with a white picket fence it's almost like a a dream restaurant you know um and it's and it's all set up as a as That's like sitting in Tuscany it's fabulous. <laughs> well that's something that we hope to do again sometime soon as well. Um mate so how how are you feeling at the moment? So it sounds like that this has come at the right time for you you know i know we t- we spoke about you wanting to step away from the pans a little bit and then it was a bit sort of you're getting a bit old for that um but you're gonna have to have early mornings as a baker though yeah i i'm okay with that um this this new kind of way we're setting it up and you know you're, you're not baking 16 hours a day i mean that's the difference getting getting away from the the mornings the lunches and the nights um is it's just getting harder as you get older and so the the early mornings are okay because by midday you're kind of done you know the shop's full um we've got we've got staff down at the shop selling all the products so kind of by midday it's all over and you, you've got that time you've got those evenings the afternoons to you know see your kids play sport um do do you know get some life maintenance done <laughs> Things, things that you struggle with doing, doing those those days where you, you kind of seem to get in the kitchen on a Thursday morning and don't leave till Sunday afternoon. And in winter, it's it's you know it's dark early, so you you kind of lose your weekends. So I, I'm I'm okay with it. It's good. It's it's less less pressure and anxiety around around deadlines with in you know, with service. Your your deadlines are midday. Your deadlines are six p.m every day and um not having the anxiety around that is is incredibly healthy i think you know you mentioned a bit earlier that you and brooke like change and you you certainly do you guys have lived sort of in all sorts of places and taken on all sorts of challenges mm. but what what is this little period of time um how's it affected you guys as a family unit and how's it affected you moving forward um well i've grown a mullet um, 
and Brooke doesn't like that. <laughs> so that's. Have you been playing your banjo? I was going to ask you about the banjo. Are you still? Yes, I'm, I'm kind of teaching myself bluegrass banjo. It's incredibly difficult, <laughs> but uh, I'm, I'm actually having more time. I've had it for four and a half years, and I, I barely kind of touched it up until the start of coronavirus so it's actually it's actually been really good yeah. having the having half an hour to sit You're down becoming a real country oh, yes. it's nice. yeah uh look we we've uh we we're happy for a change us you know we we spent so much time with our kids in the last four months that um we kind of just realized that's what what should be done as a as a normal family unit and um that, that's been a change for us as well um, and uh, you know what it's like with kids—you blink and, and you miss it. And we don't—we don't want another six years, seven years of that. We don't enjoy it. Um, yeah, and do something a little bit low risk. You know, I think with with a recession coming and whatever's happening fiscally in the country, we're more likely to do sales of twenty to thirty dollars sourdough. And, baguettes, pastries and tarts and pies um, and we are working hard to, you know, get a couple of people to come in and spend $150, $180 and I, I just didn't want to have the the yo-yo of, of whether or not that was, that was going to be viable. Um, so I think, you know, a cheaper product is a lot less risk. There's no other real bakeries on the main street. Um, so it kind of everything just made sense for us. A little earlier, you mentioned you know you've made the hard decision to sell Clementine and sell the house as well. It's a house that the kids have been growing up in, and you know your family, you've built a life there. And yes, um, so like operators that might be interested in a country change, um, what's so great about yes? Like what what's the lure for that location to set up a country restaurant? Uh, well, owning your own place, as, as I was talking about before, I think is incredibly important. I think for the first six months when we set the restaurant up, we didn't we didn't even charge ourselves rent. We just kind of spent that six months trying to work out what the hell we were doing, and we didn't know what our turnover was going to be really, <clears throat> really. So having that is incredibly helpful. Having the restaurant in your house is also you know, you know, no, no commuting, um, getting up and doing some things on your days off, even if it's for an hour before the kids get up, um, it keeps you on top of your business. Um, you know, and gee, even socializing when the restaurant's shut is is better. You can have friends around and entertain them in, in the restaurant. You know, you've got all your glass washers and ice machines and dishwashers. So cleaning up's easy. You know, think, think, even think, little things like that is is helpful. Um, um, what else was I going to say? What was I talking about? Just, I suppose the opening hours too. There's, it's a small town, and I, I don't really don't think there's any need for dining earlier in the week. So, having not committing to seven day trade um, for us has been incredibly helpful. And, you know, it's a small town. People eat early. There's a lot of nights I'd be finished service and go have a few desserts to plate up and it's 9 o'clock. You know, Saturday night, it's fabulous. (laughs) (laughs) 
just in <laughs> not, time for a whiskey. Not fin- yeah, well, not for, yeah, whiskey in front of the fire with, with some some customers. Why not? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah look, there's 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 a lot of lot of positives um, out out here. I think it's great. Well, mate, um, I'm bloody proud of you. You're a legend, and um, very much look forward to seeing what you do with Clementine Bakery. Um, it's been weird having this chat, doesn't it? It sounds very formal and, uh, you know, there's no uh, wine or yeah. beer or cheese. No swearing. Yeah, <laughs> no yeah. swearing. <laughs> I did warn you beforehand, unfortunately, and perhaps it stopped both of us from swearing. <laughs> um, mate, look forward yes. to seeing you again soon and love, love to the family. Um, Thanks very much. Bloody legends. And we'll talk again soon. And well done on the podcast, mate. It's fabulous. Doing a great job. Awesome. Thank you. Thanks, mate. Let's catch up soon. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we share the stories of Australia's hospo community, suppliers and producers in search of hope during this pandemic. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.